turn to John chapter number 13 and uh, John chapter number 13 and uh, I'm trying to keep this uh, thing up here next to me uh, so that uh, I'll keep it in mind while I'm preaching and won't go too long tonight, all right? But John chapter number 13, I'm actually going to be in John or Mark chapter number 14 and uh, just for a moment, just to give us some context, all right? So you don't have to turn over to Mark chapter number 14, I want you in John chapter number 13, all right? So uh, uh, everybody get that? How many of you know what John chapter number 13 is about? Washing the disciples' feet. Very good, all right. All right, Mark chapter number 12, just to give us some context as to what's going on. The Bible says, in the first day of the unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover, his disciples said unto him, where wilt thou that we go and prepare that thou mayest eat the Passover? And he sendeth forth two of his disciples and saith unto them, Go ye into the city, and there shall meet you a man bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him, and wheresoever he shall go in, say ye to the goodman of the house, The master saith, Where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished and prepared. There make ready for us, all right? And so just to get us in the context of the scripture, uh, Jesus has sent the disciples, he sent two of the disciples out to find this place where the Last Supper or the Lord's Supper would take place. This is the Last Supper that he would have with his disciples, all right? This is the last time that they would be together as a unit. Is everybody with me? And so this is, when we come to John chapter number 13, we are already in the upper room. Mark chapter number 14, he sends disciples and he goes and prepares the place. And then in John chapter number 13, we are now sitting in the upper room. Is everybody with me? We're sitting in the upper room, okay? We're there with Jesus. The Bible says in verse number one, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. All right, so once again, we get a little bit more information about this, and we know, uh, we know from other scripture, but we know primarily from this verse here uh, that his hour is come. In other words, the reason, the purpose of him being here, the cross is at hand. And so this is the last time that he would meet with his disciples as a group. And there they are, they're at this supper, and we're told in verse number one, that we're told that he knew this hour was coming and we're told that he loved his disciples, all right? Verse number two, the Bible says, and supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus knowing that the father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God, all right? This is not... This is not knowledge that come to Jesus at this moment. Uh, you can go back to John chapter number three and you can find that Jesus says that all things were given into his hand back in John chapter number three. So he, he, there was a knowledge of that, but at this particular time, uh, uh, it is uh, brought out in scripture once again 
that Jesus all things were giving or are given all things into his hand. And uh, what that simply means is this, that Jesus, even though we don't want to hear this, had a choice. And he chose the Father's will, not his. Is everybody with me? All right. So uh, this was all things have been given to him. They've been placed in his hand, and yet he went to the cross. Now, verse number four, it says, during all of this, they're eating, all right? The Bible says he rises from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. So Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus saith unto him, man, it must have been rough being Simon Peter. Can I get a witness? I mean, like everything he said, Jesus had to rebuke him on it, all right? I mean, it had been like, uh, can I say anything, Lord, all right? And so he says, he said, he said, not my, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus saith unto him, he that is washed needeth not, uh, not saved to wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and ye are clean, but not all. Of course, we know who he's talking about. Uh, he, he tells us this in verse number 11. For he knew who should betray him. All right. Therefore said he, ye are not all clean. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, know ye what I have done to you. Ye call me master and Lord, and ye say well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. Listen to this verse. If you know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. As we look at this passage of Scripture, that's all the reading that we'll do tonight. But as we look at this passage of Scripture, we're very familiar with this. Uh, no matter if you've been in church or not been in church, you have heard, no doubt, about Jesus washing the feet of the disciples. We're going to take a look at that just for a moment tonight, and I want to challenge you uh, to serve in some capacity here at our church. That's what the whole theme of this thing is about. As far as I'm concerned, it's about us serving others, all right? Uh, I'm not going to ask you to wash feet. Somebody say amen. amen. All right, praise the Lord. If Miranda was in here, she'd probably run a lap and run outside screaming and hollering. First time you'd ever see Miranda in the spirit, all right? Uh, uh, she hates feet, by the way. But uh, anyhow, uh, uh, we're not asking this, and we're not going to teach that tonight, so everybody can rest easy. Nobody's going to ask you to come up here and wash somebody else's feet. However, 
the process or what we're trying to learn here tonight is that you and I are to serve one another. Okay? And this is what Jesus is teaching his disciples. When we look at this passage of Scripture, I want you to notice four things with me tonight. I want you to notice, first off, his superiority. Uh, we see his superiority in his love. The Bible says that he loved them unto the end of the world or to the end of his life. Uh, some say it's to the end of his life. Some say it's through eternity or whatever. But I need everybody to hear me right now. Whichever way you uh, interpret it, it's true, all right? He loved them to the very end. There is no end of eternity, uh, but uh, he loves us and he loves you and I to the very end. It's not just the apostles, not just these 12 disciples that he loves. He says, whom I have sent. That means all of us, every single one of us. I want you to notice his superiority in his love for you and I, all right? Now, why does that matter to me, preacher? Because he is an example to us, And his love for the disciples is an example for us of our love for one another. I need everybody to say amen. Matter of fact, uh, later in this chapter in verse number 34, I believe it is, and uh, we didn't read that far, of course, but in verse number 34, uh, uh, let me see, let me get to, to John 13. In verse number 34, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. And so this is a commandment from the Lord that you and I are to love as he loved. And according to the very first ver verse of John chapter number 13, he loved them. He loved that which was his own. He loved them. He loved the brethren. He loved his, his children, if you will, unto the end. All right. So where does service fit in when it comes to love? You and I, we serve. Can I get a witness right here? Out of love. Uh, one of the things that I notice about this passage of Scripture is the Bible tells us in the very first verse, uh, uh, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, in less than 24 hours he would hang on a cross. And the last thing that he wanted to do with his life is serve the brethren. I need somebody to hear me right here. Do you understand this is the last thing he did before being taken captive? before going through trials all night long, before hanging on a cross the next day. The last thing that he chose to do, he knew his hour had come, and the last thing that he chose to do was to have fellowship with the brethren and to serve them. And so we see the superiority of his love and we see the superiority of his knowledge. Even knowing that this would be the last time that they would all be together, he chose not to go out and have a big time and party it up and have a good time. He chose to have fellowship with those that were important to him, with those he, had, he loved, and he chose to serve them during this. We live in a day and time where we want everybody to do something for us. I need y'all got to help me. We, go out, we, we literally live in a day and time where it's all about what I can get. It's all about entitlement. It's all about, I, it's all about me. This is the world that we live in. Nobody cares about anybody else. It's all about me. It's all about me. This breaks that mold and this brings us to sacrifice and serving others. 
We see that in his superiority, but we also see it, number two, in his service. We notice his hour had come. It was his hour, but we notice his heart. His heart was with his brethren, with his disciples. Uh, We live in a day and time where church is just a service at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., 10 a.m., whatever the case may be. It's just a, a, something that we attend and then we go back to our lives. But for Christ, his life was his brethren and his fellowship. Somebody help me. Are you okay? Why is it that we've all of a sudden taken church and we've taken church and we've, we've made it like Burger King? I, I want it my way or I ain't going to be happy with it. If it ain't cool enough, if it ain't this, if it ain't comfortable enough, if it's too long, we, we whine about everything. Come on, help me, y'all. We whine about everything. Well, I I wish we'd sing some other songs, or I wish we would do this, or I wish we would do that. And we've made it about us. When it's not about us, we gather together for fellowship. Now, the Lord, obviously, we have the Last Supper here, and this is an example of the Last Supper, but I I want to emphasize tonight that He was meeting a supper is fellowship. And he was meeting with the brethren. And church is important. It's just as important as it was back then. Say, well, they didn't have church back then. Boy, I tell you what, some of us, some of us need to quit looking for our theology on social media. And realize that most of the books of the New Testament are written to local New Testament churches. Is everybody with me? Or pastors of local New Testament churches. All right. So you can't take church out of the Bible. What we need to understand is how important it is. Church is the lifeline. Mm. It's the lifeline of the Christian. How many of, you, how many of you can testify of getting out of church some point in your Christian walk? All right? How? Mm, don't say nothing. But I know your answer. Why? Because I've been there. How did you feel in those times when you was away from the church? Spiritually. I'm telling you, it is a lifeline. You and I need one another. We need fellowship. And the last thing that Jesus wanted, he's going to the cross, his last night on this earth, that he would be alive. The one thing that he desired, Brother John, was to have fellowship with those that he loved. And his last commandment to them (laughs) here this night was that they love one another. We see his superiority. We see his service. We see his hour. We see his heart. But we see his humbleness. Is everybody all right? I don't serve you with an attitude of superiority. I wanted to show you how superior he was so that you would have a greater understanding of what he lowered himself to to serve others. We're talking about The one that spoke and created this world. We're talking about the one that formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed life into him. We are talking about the one that came to die for all of mankind. We are talking about the one whom the Bible calls King of kings, Lord of lords. Is everybody with me? We're talking about the Alpha and Omega. 
the beginning and the end and the very one that spoke the world into existence, the Bible said he got up and served those that were under him. Think about it. None of us have a claim to superiority over anybody else on this earth that he had. And here, the one that created it all showed how you and I are to serve in humbleness. Is everybody with me? My, hey, listen, I'm, I'm not asking you to get involved in things around here <laughs> so that uh, 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 I, I can feel more superior. I'm telling you that when you, listen, verse number 17. Go to verse number 17 real quick, Miss Tracy. Look at verse number 17 with me. If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. You know why so many people are, are, are not happy in church? Because they're not doing what they know to do. They're not serving. Christ gives us an example. We see his superiority. We see his service. Number three, we see his schooling. We see an example that was set in John chapter number 13. And uh, uh, in verse number 15, he says, For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. He's given us, he set an example for you and I that we are to serve one another. What does that look like, Brother Robbie? Well, that looks like being on the security team. That looks like being in the choir. That looks like helping out with the service prep team, getting everything cleaned up, everything lined up up here. It looks like helping out in the parking lot. It looks like, is everybody with me? It looks like uh, uh, serving in some capacity. We're having Easter Sunday, getting involved somewhere, somehow on the care team, greeting people, praying for people, being in the prayer room. How does it look when we serve? It looks like what he did. We say it's more important for me to serve them or serve somebody else than it is to serve my own needs. He set an example for us. This was the last night. It wouldn't have been out of place if one of the disciples would have said, you know what, I'm going to wash everybody's feet. I'm going to wash Jesus' feet. Matter of fact, in John uh, chapter number 12, in John chapter number 12, there was a woman that shows up, or Mark, excuse me, Mark chapter number 14. If you start off reading in the beginning of Mark chapter number 14, there was a woman that showed up and anointed Jesus for his burial. <laughs> it, it, it wasn't out of place. It wasn't out of place for them to serve him. But he was setting an example for us. And no matter how great you think you are, <laughs> we're to serve others. Amen. Say, preacher, that's beneath me. I've had so much schooling. I've had done all that. Ain't nobody cares. Mm, let me say it this way. I remember Brother Larry, you say this all the time. Nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. You, you can have DR in the front of your name and you can have PhD at the end of your name. Is everybody all right? But if you don't, you can't serve others. Ain't nobody going to follow you. I need somebody to help me. He sets an example. The example that's set is schooling. We see the instructions that are given. They were to do 
as he has done for us. We see the benefits related. Verse number, seven, uh, verse number 17, it says, if you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. I want you to notice number four, and I'm done. Oh, man, I feel good. His superiority, his service, his schooling. But I want to talk just for a second on his subjects. Oh. Well, preacher, I'll serve as long as people are good to me. Preacher, I tried that serving thing, but somebody, somebody was ugly to me, and I just can't handle somebody being ugly to me. Now, I, there's a lot of things I can handle, preacher, but I ain't going to handle somebody that disrespects me. I mean, you're going you to respect me. Is everybody all right? You're going to treat me right. You're going to do for me. I'll do for you, but you're going to do for me. Is everybody all right? Y'all stay with me. Come on, don't be all, don't be going, don't go, don't get ahead of me in the sermon. This is our mentality. I'll serve, bless God, but you better be good to me. Preacher, every time I get, hey, preacher, I'm going to need you to, I'm going to need you to pat me on the back every time you get behind the pulpit. And you're going to need to tell somebody, tell them, preacher, that I changed the toilet paper in the bathroom. You're going to need to tell them that I'm riding around on a cart out in the parking lot while they're having church. I, you're going to need to tell them I'm doing this or I, I'm, I'm babysitting them bad kids. Is everybody all right? You're going to have to tell them, preacher. You're going to have to do that. I, I'll serve, but this is what's going to have to be done. But yet when I look at those that he served, I see one who would betray him. Over and over, it's mentioned in, in, the, in the scripture that this, that the man that would betray him, Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, was sitting at the table. And Jesus washed his feet. He washed his feet. He didn't say, you know what, I'm going to wash the 11 feet, but I'm going I'm to be, mm. <laughs> Judas, let's just be honest with one another. You don't like me? You've already sold me out. Hey, come on, help me. He had a vast knowledge. Remember that, his superiority? He had a vast love. He loved every one of them to the end. He had a vast knowledge. He knew this is hour has come. He knew that Judas would betray him. And yet he had a knowledge of everything that would happen that night. And he washed their feet. Judas sitting at the table, hiding in the middle of the brethren. But he wasn't hiding from Jesus. Jesus knew exactly who he was. He knew what he had already purposed in his heart. He even told them up here. He said, one of you is going to betray me tonight. And they got to asking questions. <laughs> this, is where, this is where the Bible says John was leaning on the breast of Jesus. And Peter, he was scared to ask Jesus. So he motioned for John. He said, ask him who it is. <laughs> and Jesus said, the one that I dip in the sop and hand it to. And he said, here goes Judas. <laughs> and everybody goes, who's he talking about? <laughs> everybody all right? <laughs> I mean, he, he knew Judas was sitting at that table. He knew Judas was going to take 30 pieces of silver, kiss him on the cheek in just a few hours, and lead a Roman garrison right to him. One that was going to put him in prison that night. 
One that was going to deliver him to the high priest to be mocked and beaten, to have his hair pulled out, to have his face covered up and beat. He knew all of that was fixing to happen, and yet the very one who would betray him, he washed his feet. He knew one would betray him. He knew one would doubt him. He knew Thomas was in the crowd. I need somebody to help me. He knew Thomas was going to doubt what happened. What, after all that he had been through, after three years of walking with Jesus, three and a half years, after watching him walk on water, after watching him raise the dead uh, back to life, after watching him perform all these miracles, Thomas was going to think it was too big of a thing for Jesus to come out of that grave. And how many of us sit in here today, we have betrayed him or done worse. We have doubted him over and over again, knowing what the word of God says. We're no different. I need somebody to help me. There's going to be some in here that will betray you. There's going to be some in here that will doubt you. I want you to notice this. All of them would abandon him. The Bible says that when they came and got him out of the Garden of Gethsemane, they scattered. Everybody. Even old Simon Peter, the one that said, I'll go to the death with you. <laughs> he was running across there going, no, John ain't beating me today. <laughs> Is everybody all right? Oh, yeah, don't get me wrong. Simon pulled out a sword and he whacked somebody's ear off. <laughs> but once Jesus straightened that ministry out, I need somebody to help me. Everybody said, we're gone. <laughs> if we're not going to fight them, <laughs> We ain't going to join you, Jesus. But I'll die with you as long as it's dying fighting. I believe Peter. I, I believe Simon Peter would have went to the death right there in the garden. But he didn't want the death that Jesus had. One would betray him. One would doubt him. All of them would abandon him, forsake him. One would deny him, old Simon Peter. That very night, Simon Peter would be asked, aren't you with the Galilean? No, I don't know that man. Before it was over with, Simon Peter done gone back, backslidden, cussing, and carrying on. Jesus already told him before that rooster crows three times, you're going to deny me. Three times. Jesus already told him that. Y'all help me. And yet, he washed his feet. Ever been a time in your life where you've denied him? Ever been a time in your life where you abandoned him? Ever been a time in your life where you doubted him? Ever been a time in your life where you betrayed him? He served them, even though he knew every one of them would love him less than he loved them. <laughs> every one of them would love him less than what he loved them. Our mentality we're built on, I'll do for you as long as you do for me. It's got to be equal or it ain't going to happen. I need somebody to hear me. But that's not what 
Christianity is. I believe with all my heart, Christianity is serving others. Michelle, is my wife in here? Did you put the pictures up there? I want you to look at some pictures. Thanks for the thumbs up, Miss Tracy. I didn't know. I didn't want to put you on the spot with anything. I want you to show me some pictures, those pictures that I sent. This, this was mine. This was pictures that I took when I was on the Sea of Galilee. How many of y'all ever heard of the Sea of Galilee? Okay, kind of important place, right? Uh, how many of you, does anybody know uh, uh, what feeds the Sea of Galilee? Anybody? The Jordan River, all right, the Jordan River. <laughs> Speak up, Brother Johnny, you all right, you got it. It's the Jordan River. The Jordan River flows into the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee, everybody listen to me now, Sea of Galilee is a freshwater lake. It's called the Sea of Gennesaret. It's called the Sea of Galilee. It's called the Tiberias Sea. Any one of those three, it's the same thing, but it's a lake. This is one of the boats. Me and Michelle was on a boat similar to that when I took this picture. We were out riding the Sea of Galilee. As you can see around the Sea of Galilee, you can see mountains. And if you look close enough, you can see on them mountains, everybody see the trees and everything? Y'all help me. Right? All right, keep going, Miss Tracy. So you see, oh, look at there. Does everybody see right there on one of the shores? You can see a city there, and you can see, everybody see the trees and see everything? All right, keep going, Miss Tracy. And uh, you can see here, everybody see the grass and the trees. You see everything out there in this. Sea of Galilee is a cool little thing because you can see all the way around it. And we're fixing to go there in two weeks. Uh, we're going to be on, uh, uh, some of y'all that's going with us are going to be on the Sea of Galilee. You'll be on one of these boats. Uh, we'll be riding out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. This was pictures I took and sent to Dalton. Uh, this was on the edge of the, I, I love to hunt ducks. Is everybody all right? And they were flying in, so I was taking pictures of them just as fast as I could. Uh, but this is the edge of the Sea of Galilee. You can see it's gra grass in it and everything else. Ducks were flying in there. Is everybody with me? I'm going somewhere with this, so I need you to hang with me, all right? There you go, me and Miss Michelle on the boat. And uh, it happened to be raining when we were in, uh, when we went on the uh, Sea of Galilee, a storm come up while we were out there. Uh, uh, but do you didn't put my pictures of my fish up there? Go back to the fish. Hey, 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 man. All right. Uh, this come out of the Sea of Galilee. Y'all can see that good old filet right there. And then you can see Miss Michelle's fish. Funny story right here. So when we go, this is called St. Peter's fish, all right? So when we go, uh, uh, it's a tilapia. It's not the farm-raised tilapia that you buy in the store. This is out of the Sea of Galilee. But anyhow, when we go, uh, you'll have, we'll go to a restaurant, and you'll get a choice of eating this or filet. And funny story. So I chose to get uh, the picture with, go back to the other fish, please, ma'am. So I chose to get that thing right there. All right, so we're sitting at the table and they're bringing out all the fish and, and that's Michelle's fish. And they sat it down right next to me and I'm looking at this fish with eyeballs looking at me. Is everybody all right? Y'all see the eyeballs in there? And the guy says, I have one more filet. Does anybody order a filet? I said, I did. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm gonna tell you something. The filet was amazing. Y'all hear me? This is the best meal you'll have. Listen, if you're going to Israel with me, that's the best meal that you will have. 
It come right out of the Sea of Galilee. It's fresh. It is wonderful. I mean, it is wonderful, all right? Now, go back to the picture of me and Michelle standing by the signpost, if you will. This is me and Michelle by the Dead Sea. It's by the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is not a sea at all. It's a lake. So, the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea are both lakes. Is everybody with me? All right. If you look around, you'll see there's no grass. Everybody with me? Keep going to some of the other pictures. This is around the Dead Sea. Oh, it's pretty. But you'll notice there's no grass and there's no trees. Everybody stand with me? You'll notice as we go around... The, the, and these are not my pictures. These are pictures that I pulled off the internet because while we were there, matter of fact, this place doesn't get very much rain where the Dead Sea is. But when we were there, it was raining. All right, so anyhow. Uh, but you can see, everybody see the mountains in the background? You see what you notice and what I want you to notice is that there's absolutely no life at the Dead Sea. Is everybody with me? There's no fish in the Dead Sea. There, there, there's no algae, there's no grasses, there's no nothing, there's no life. That's why it is called the Dead Sea. The salt content in this is like 34%. It's like more than any other body of water. You can literally sit on the water. It's so dense that you cannot sink. There's absolutely no life there. If you go, you'll have an opportunity to get in. All I'd say, ladies, is don't get in with razor cuts. Can I get a witness right there? <laughs> if you go, you'll have an opportunity. We'll be right beside it. You'll have an opportunity to go and get in it and, and float because you're not going to swim. Is everybody with me? All right. Brother Johnny, what feeds the Dead Sea? The Jordan River. Brother Johnny, you, you had it, man. You had it. I just kind of confused you, all right? Now stay with me. Everybody stand with me. The same river that feeds the Sea of Galilee with all its life, cities all the way around it, beautiful scenery, mountains with grass all over it, mountains with trees all over it, all kind of life, great food, ducks flying in, all of that. The same river feeds the Sea of Galilee that feeds the Dead Sea. Same exact water. It's the same exact water. If you're getting where I'm going, you understand that that's fresh water. But yet, the Dead Sea is high salt. Is everybody with me? The water runs in off of the mountain, comes down, and it runs into the Sea of Galilee. For every drop of water that comes into the Sea of Galilee, it goes out of the Sea of Galilee and continues on down to the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea's like 1,300, 1,400 feet below sea level. It's the coolest place. That's why one of the reasons, you, 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 
will have a hard time getting sunburned because you're underneath an entire another atmosphere. Ooh, ain't that cool? So you can be out there, not in your bikinis on our trip, but anyhow, uh, we've we seen it when we were there. Is everybody with me? I, I mean, you ain't got to wear suntan lotion or nothing else. You're under a complete another atmosphere. You're below sea level, 1,400 feet below sea level. The water's coming down, goes through the Sea of Galilee, comes out of the Sea of Galilee, goes into the Dead Sea. Listen, but there's no outlets in the Dead Sea. So the water goes, and the only way for it to get out is through evaporation. When it evaporates, the salts that are in the water remain leading to the reason why the salt contents over are so high. Listen to me. There's something that goes into it. But there's nothing that comes out of it. As a Christian, you can sit under all the preaching you want. You can listen to preaching every single day. You can listen to podcasts, you can listen to devotions, you can listen and you can, you can go listen to this preacher and that preacher. You can do all you want, get all of it coming in that you want. Amen. But if it ain't going out, you'll be just as dead as the Dead Sea. Amen. We're starving, we're thirsting for knowledge, but we're doing nothing with it. It's time for Christians to start what goes in, start letting it flow out. If you want life, if you want happiness, you're going to have to, I mean, yeah, this is good, I don't care if I did it. You're going to have to learn how to serve others. Because you can keep pouring in all you want to, but there is not one outlet in the Dead Sea. It's where the water from the Jordan goes to die. The same water that makes the region of the Sea of Galilee so fertile is the same water that's in the Dead Sea. The difference is the Sea of Galilee pours out. The Dead Sea, there's no outlets. So tonight, opportunities to serve are all around you. This whole thing we're doing with the two services, this whole thing we're doing with Easter, all these things, you have an opportunity to serve. Say, preacher, I'm unhappy. Put verse 17 back up there for me, Miss Tracy. Preacher, I'm just unhappy. I don't know what it is. I do my devotions, I do this, I do that. If you know these things, happy are you if you do them. It's time to start putting what we know to do to practice. It's time to start serving others as we are taught in John chapter number 13. It's time for us to sacrifice our time our pride, humble ourselves, 
and serve those that would betray us, serve those that would abandon us, serve those that would doubt us, serve those that would uh, 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 deny us, serve those that love us less than we love them. We're not doing it for each other. We're doing it for him. And the benefit of doing it for him is if you do these things, happy are you if you do them. I wonder how many of you join me around the altar tonight. Maybe it's time for you to get involved in some things. Maybe you've gotten, you know, COVID hit and, man, COVID, you can bow your heads with me. COVID hit and for a lot of folks, it served as a way to get them uninvolved, get them out of service. There was fears. There was unknowns. But somewhere along the line, a week led to two, two led to three, three led to a month, month led to two months, two months led to six months, six months led to a year. We find ourselves saying, man, I'm just, preacher, I just can't find happiness. I don't know what's wrong. My family's not happy. At times, I'm not happy. Preacher, what can I do? Let me say this, and I'm not saying it's all about us being happy. But if we're going to be healthy, and we are going to speak life into others, we are going to have to serve. Nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for tonight. Lord, I, I thank you, Lord, for John chapter 13. As difficult as it is to read, every time I read it, Lord, I realize that, Lord, there's people in my life who betrayed me. There's people in my life who would doubt and deny me. There's people in my life that would abandon me. There's people in my life that love me far less than what I have loved them. But God, I, I'm not serving on their behalf. Lord, my service is because you've commanded it. My service is because you expect it. My service is because you've given us an example of it. God, may I keep my eyes on you. Lord, realize the more I pour out, Lord, the happier I'll be, the more content I'll be, the more satisfied, the more healthy, the more spiritual I'll be. Lord, I pray that you take this message tonight. God, I pray we go home and chew on it. God, I pray that each one of us would reevaluate our lives and how we serve. Lord, I pray we'd have a desire, Lord, to get busy doing for others, no matter how minute, how small it might be.
God, that we may be able to, with our lives, give you honor and glory and glorify you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.